0: I'm Chloe Maidley and welcome back to the podcast. On this podcast, I speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors, dietitians, and leaders in the field from all around the world. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you enjoyed today's guest. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, review, and leave a comment. Thank you so much guys, let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ella Story Gordon. Today we thought we would flip stuff, so I actually get to interview you. And for those listening who's like, who's this random chick? It's me. It's Chloe's business partner. I help Chloe run the EC method, which is probably, I mean, not probably, like definitely your biggest life achievement to date, right?
0: (laughs) It actually is. I, I feel like, so for anyone who doesn't know, yeah, Emma's my uh, co-coach and business partner on our coaching platform, The EC Method. And Emma had to kind of convince me to do it because I wasn't really a big fan of the whole idea of big group coaching. And I have to say, it has been the best thing I've ever done in terms of my career in terms of like how much fulfillment we get from it and you learn quick don't you with a group that size and um and it's just yeah it's very feel good and of course I met you well I knew you already but now we're really good friends
1: yeah which is a lovely byproduct of that but I think you do learn so much about human behavior and what everyone goes through in terms of fat loss and how those things are so similar between people and the mindsets that people get into are so similar between people and we see the same things coming up again and again and again and it just makes us better coaches to be able to coach this many people through and listen to everyone's struggles and essentially we're learning from every single client.
0: Yeah. And I think it's always that way. Like as soon as you get qualified, you never stop learning, at least in my opinion, if you're good at your job, you never stop learning regardless of the job. But it is fair to say that we, I would say 90% of the job is just reassuring clients. And actually, I think a lot of it, like we kind of end up being therapists, don't we, to people, which I quite like, like I like, you get to learn more about just people as a whole, not just, you know, fat loss or physique. And I think it just makes, it makes you a better person, really.
1: Yeah. And actually most of coaching is observing human behavior and knowing how really the changes that we make in terms of diet and exercise impact how someone behaves. So it's not just, it's knowing that putting someone into a calorie deficit will have consequences. And those consequences might be moving less, or they might be being really hungry, or they might be changes in mood. Like that's the art of it really the science of it's quite simple and actually mm-hmm. that we teach relatively quickly yeah. but it's implementing that into people's lives which takes a little bit longer anyway I've gone on a tangent I didn't think we'd we'd go on so I wanted to start with a little bit about your journey to where to how you've got to the coach you are today and maybe as well which I thought was quite interesting you've obviously come from being quite inactive, like as a, you weren't active at school, where you? you? didn't really like school, no. PE or anything? No. So what was the point at which you started exercising or started being active? And then
0: why do you think that lasted? So I, I started when I went and got into my early twenties, I've always had like issues with anxiety. Um, and when I got into my early twenties, it just kind of started to really snowball. And the anxiety started turning into quite bad panic attacks. One panic attack I actually had uh, live on TV, on Dancing on Ice, in the middle of a routine. And it floored me for, like, I mean, two days after. Did people notice or did you hide it? No. Everyone who was there, who was, like, actually, you know, at the studio noticed. But they didn't. Nobody or nobody at home noticed, thank God. Um And... That's So that's when I started going to therapy, um, specifically um, CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, to kind of help me deal with it. And one of the things my therapist said was like, I think, you know, you need to start exercising. Obviously, I was doing Dancing on Ice at the time, but that was coming to an end. So when I finished that, I started basically just going for a run, maybe like three or four, usually evenings a week. And... It did help for my anxiety, but I'm not a runner. I got really bad tendinitis really quickly. So it was very painful for me after a period of time. And also like, I just, I I liked it for the anxiety thing, but I didn't really enjoy like going for a run. Like it didn't really give me any joy, but I kept up with it. And then I I met my now ex-boyfriend Danny and he, he he was an actor, but he was also a bodybuilder and a PT. And he was like, look, I really want to get some more clients. So will you come to the gym with me? Let me train you um, and just basically document it on Twitter. And I, you know, just fancied him. So I was like, all right, fine, even though I didn't really want to do it. (laughs) I did want to have sex with him. So I was like, okay, then (laughs) I guess I'll go. And he took me, the first thing we did, he took me to the Smith machine in the gym and he taught me how to squat. And it was, it, it was immediate. It was just immediate. I, I used to dance a lot. Um, that was really the only kind of active thing I did. I would dance and horse ride. And it was the same feeling. It was, it's like, it's the, the mechanics of it, the methodology of it, the timing of it, the execution of it. I just fell in love with it straight away. And I was like, well, this is what I'm gonna do. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna become someone who trains in the gym and lift weight, lifts weights, you know, all the time. And then as the weeks passed, I was watching him PT on the gym floor. And I just had, for the first time in my life, seething career jealousy. I was like, I want to do this. And I also loved the element of I wanted to teach women to lift weights because you realize really quickly, like, no, I was the only girl in the weight section. And I was, and it was changing my body. It was changing my mindset. Like I, my anxiety just really started to plummet in a good way. And I just felt really strong mentally and physically and accomplished and driven. So I immediately, and I say this all the time, it really shocks me that there's so many health and fitness professionals out there who didn't ever think that they should get qualified. And I know that like experience counts for more than qualifications, you know, (laughs) the food pyramid (laughs) will kind of drive that home for anyone who knows what that is. Um, But for me it was just like okay well this is what I have to do so I moved back home with my parents I got fully qualified it took me a a couple months I did a really fast track course did my level one my level uh, my level two sorry my level three and then I did a little bolt on nutrition course um and I just started flyering my area and PTing, and it all went from there my life changed for the better mentally physically professionally everything I mean I didn't make any money for the first few years as I'm sure all pts know but um I uh, the, the joy I get from my job now is incredible, and then from there, the books. Yeah, I'm a big writer. I I um I, I'm a big reader. I'm a big writer. Obviously, like if anybody knows my family, I'm sure that they could guess that. And um, I remember day one of my PT course, they made us write down on a piece of paper like what the ultimate goal was, the big goal, and I just wrote on down on this piece of paper that I wanted to make money out of training and writing. But at that point I didn't think I, I like the body coach wasn't a thing yet like I didn't I didn't really think oh I'll I'll write books um plus also like how do you write a book on health like health and fitness like unless it's you know uh educational as in like you know like textbook I just didn't think that 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 was an option but then I started blogging on my very first website fitnessfondue.com and I started getting thousands of hits a day which was huge just started making money out of it and it caught the eye of uh penguin and tr- specifically a branch of penguin called Transworld, who just came to me and said we really want you to write a, a book and that was one of now four and the fifth we're currently trying to figure out <laughs> awesome okay so
1: if you have now given your experience one sort of overarching message at this stage of your career like it can change obviously I kind of see that initially your message was getting women to lift weights now that's obviously still your message but I also think and this is something you've said recently that just really resonated with me and it's such a good observation that there's this huge space between diet culture which I think we can agree we don't agree with and then and by diet culture I mean massively over-restrictive dieting, short time spans, what most people think of when they hear diet, like suffering, over-restriction, booty, like six-week, like get in shape in six weeks, blah, 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 That all that kind of stuff. And then there's a huge gap between that and the anti-diet movement. Mm. And I, and that, like, I think is a really important thing to hammer home that... I think people see it as some kind of false dichotomy. You're either for dieting or you're against dieting and you sit so nicely in the middle there and you're like, no, you can do this because you love yourself, because you feel empowered to do this, because you know, actually these things are going to make you feel better. And that's kind of how you found exercise, right? You, you noticed that it made you feel a certain way, that it, Mm -hmm. the benefits of it were more than just looking a certain way or losing weight or your body changing. It was actually how you were feeling because of all those things.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. When I started it, it, my journey, ugh, is quite higgledy-piggledy. And that when I started, I started doing it because I fell in love with lifting. I fell in love with with the, I guess, the sport of it. Quite quickly, because I was blogging about it and I was, you know, posting selfies in my pants, which I still do. Um, I brought it back. I took a break. I brought it right back. Quite quickly with the with the press attention that it got you know rich and judy's daughter all she does is pose in her underwear does she even have a job i was like yes actually i do <laughs> um quite quickly the pressure was on to look a certain way and all of a sudden i i think i went from kind of training because i loved it and like cleaning up my diet because i wanted to fuel my sessions and kind of get get some good results from it quite quickly it became all about how i looked and that was a horrible few years um, and that's how i found Haley madigan and that was a horrible few years of just playing cat and mouse with my life because i'm sure everybody who follows me will know that i love food i drink i have a very big social life It became a horrible cat and mouse game of my life and and my body. And I just could not get the balance. I couldn't do it at all for love nor money. And it took me years. And now I have a really lovely lifestyle, health and fitness, social health, emotional health, mental health, physical health, financial health, you know, career health. I have a really nice balance of everything. And it took me years to get there. So I think now my message to people and to my clients would probably be like we have to find a way to make this fit in with your life because taking care of your body should be a non-negotiable if you you know we only get one you know everybody is terrified of dying, it's really important that you take care of yourself. um, And also that will greatly enhance your enjoyment of, of life in terms of your mental health and your physical health. So really now my message is trying to get people to really figure out, and this is what we do as coaches, and this is my main thing, my main goal as a coach, figure out how can we do this and have you live your best life? How can we make this enhance your life instead of take away from it? And I think you're right. I think the anti-diet movement is focused solely on that kind of cat and mouse game I was talking about. Like, this is oppressive. This is horrible. You're going to hate yourself. And actually that is a trap that we need to avoid, but my life is 10 times better now because I take care of my body than it ever was before. So yeah, I think that's, that's definitely evolved.
1: Yeah I think people miss out on this as well and and partly because dieting itself has connotations of time restricted and over restrictive but dieting or and when I say dieting I mean like fueling yourself not eating too much not eating too little like filling yourself with good healthy nutritious food in accordance to your energy needs that's kind of what we mean when we say dieting like exercising mm-hmm. making sure you're active that should make you feel better not worse. Yeah. And I, I still think when someone says the word diet, they're like, oh, a, you know, like you have these connotations that come with it. But when we talk about it, we're talking about it should make you feel better. Like everyone who finishes the EC method feels better, not worse. Yes. And I th- this is a question that we get quite a lot when people are thinking about signing up. They're like, oh you know, I was going to sign up, but I have a wedding and I'm going on holiday for four days during it. Like, should I sign up? We're like, yes. Like the whole point is that you live your best life while you're getting results. It's the only way it's going to be maintainable as well. It's not about putting your life on hold until you reach X goal or for a period of time of like really, really quote unquote hard work or over restriction until you reach X goal. It's about being able to get closer to your goals, while you're also still living your life, not putting that on hold.
0: A 100% and we talk about the pendulum swing a lot. It's really, and, and I think social media has probably made this worse, but I think it's always been a problem. You know, we've gone from kind of headlines to clickbait. Uh, so it's just, it's a new stage, but people see like dieting is like, I can't eat what I want. I can't do what I want. I'm, I hate my body on this side of the spectrum and then on this side of the spectrum we seem to have gone so far with the anti-diet message that now we've co- we've stumbled into some weird anti-diet self-love movement where i actually think that we are praising and applauding people for choosing to be unhealthy and that's very odd to me like i don't think that's something that you should you should cheer somebody on with and i think we, the answer does absolutely lie in the middle of how can you love yourself and Use that as as the quote unquote motivation or the fuel to take care of yourself every day because you because you really care about your health and I think it's it's quite annoying that that I I think it encourages stupidity to just see the extremes and nobody's doing any thinking about what lies in the middle because that is where health and happiness is.
1: Yeah, it, it's the notion that dieting will impair your mental health or cause you mental health problems which obviously it can but it's like yeah the wrong method of dieting can have negative side effects that doesn't mean that you should take all dieting ever and throw that in the bin because actually like I've just said for most people especially if you do it right it will improve your life on so many levels including on, on your mental health level like even just getting out being active doing something for yourself investing time and effort into yourself and doing things that are hard and achieving things that are hard, like feel like oh I've never been able to do a push up, and then you work hard on it and you achieve it. That contributes to so many areas of your life. Like it, it's a confidence that you're like I've said to myself, that I've set myself this challenge. Now I've achieved it. That's that's massive self confidence that translates yeah. into all areas of your life. Like it might just seem like oh you can do a push up, but it's so much more than that. And I think for so many people who potentially have been trying to lose weight for their whole life on and off and have never succeeded doing that, achieving that gives them huge confidence. Or even just like ticking off the boxes. We're always talking about process goals, like getting in your steps, sticking to your calories, for example, or getting in your workouts, telling yourself that you're going to do something and then showing up for yourself and doing it consistently brings so much confidence And that you can see that in all areas of life. And I think something that you do particularly well is make it realistic. So it's not just about, I guess it's people or giving the message that if you want results, it will take some kind of effort and you never shy away from that. And you're not promising that it's going to be easy. But it's the realization that sometimes self-love is doing things that are quite hard but your future self will be thankful for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I and I also feel like you know as coaches I've we've learned different clients need different methods and they need different kinds of coaching because I I know this might shock everyone, but we're all different and we're all doing things for different reasons. We want different outcomes. We have clients who are like, "Okay, what we need to do is we need to really just focus on health and fitness in terms of your dietary intake, in terms of your, you know, activity. We need to just focus on health and fitness. And a byproduct of that might be physique results, right, or performance results. And that's fantastic. But then I do think that we also have clients who are very organically goal-driven and exactly what you said they want to put in the hard work and they want to get out the result and that's what fuels them and to be honest I flip and I'm sure actually most people do I flip back and forth between the two of these and there's nothing wrong I think a lot of women now feel like they have to apologize for being goal-driven especially if it's about their body Oh my God! God forbid that a female wants abs. It's not necessarily because she hates herself. She just might have that goal and see if she wants to see if she can do it. And she might decide halfway through that it's definitely not worth it, which happens all the time. And she might actually get there because she's got that drive. And I think women these days have to constantly apologize for pushing themselves or putting pressure on themselves. But for a lot of us, Emma and I included, that's where we grow. That's where we where we flourish. Um, and it, you know life isn't always easy and there's a lot to be said for going through a hard time and coming out the other side of it do you think that you
1: and more generally others because this is something i've seen in in the group
0: like do you think people celebrate their wins enough i think we really encourage it and i certainly do i'm really like pat myself on the back when i do something good because I went through a horrible period of my life where I felt horrible about myself every single day. Horrible. I, I My anxiety got so bad at points that I, I didn't sleep. I was vomiting all night long. I hated myself and I hated my life and I hated this thing that I was going through. And what I learned from that is that actually every single time you do something good or you feel good about yourself or you feel proud of yourself, shout about it, like really uh, like manifest that, like let that become some kind of motivation. I mean, you know, we hate this word, but let that become some kind of engine to kind of rev you forward. And it's, it's such a good thing to do and it's such a good way to be. But yeah, I think we all know in this country, you know, we're not meant to celebrate ourselves. We're not meant to have a big head, you know, don't pat yourself on the back. And I actually think that's bullshit. And I think it's doing a lot of damage which is why it's interesting with the self-love movement. I do think we should be celebrating ourselves and I do think we should be loving ourselves, but I don't think that that should come at the cost of our physical health.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think they're quite separate things, but I think we're often really quick to like internalize negative things like or our quote unquote failures, but not celebrate our wins.
0: A hundred percent.
1: And that's something we massively try to encourage. But I guess just as you were saying that as well, like do you ever take a step back and just think like from where you were to now and just, I guess it's more gratitude, isn't it? Like, did you ever think that you would get here and how proud, you know, Chloe eight years ago or however long ago that was, would be now looking at you now being like, and and the reason I say to do that and, and why I like doing it as well is so during lockdown, Chloe kind of pulled the the short straw where I was like, I'll do the gym workouts. <laughs> Chloe's like, <laughs> literally has had to write hundreds of home workouts, which <laughs> as a personal trainer is quite tedious. But- It's awful. It's when you when you take a step back and you're like, okay, but I mean, if I told myself eight years ago, I'd have like 500 people that I'm writing home workouts for that all really want to work with me, that like we have a waiting list to join yeah like that's how much people want to get on onto this program of which we cap numbers for like it's oversubscribed. there are more people that want to work with you than can work with you yeah and you're getting to program for all these people and yeah like the actual writing a million home workouts it like is quite tedious but when you take step back and you're like this is such this is so cool to be in this position
0: so yes i think throughout my career there have been like raindrop moments where i've been like wow I can't believe this. Like, I've like even it happens all the time. Even the other day, I went into a gym and there was a girl with my book "Transform Your Body with Weights" open in front of her in the squat rack, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, I freaked out and ran away. I was like, "Don't see me! Don't see me!" But I was like, "Wow!" And I did. I absolutely get that with the EC method. I think the first time, our first round, we had hundred clients, and then our second round, we had four hundred clients, and then we were like, "Okay, we're gonna have to cap this." And, the, the most amazing thing as you said is that there are women not only in the UK but actually all over the world who seek us out and pay us to help them and that is the biggest compliment you will ever get and that is it is what I remember thinking I want to walk into a gym one day and have someone like know who I am and know what I do. And like I, that happens every day now, and I'm like, how fucking cool is this? But more than that, more than just the ego and you know, f- you know, feeling good about yourself on a career level, I'm so proud of where I am mentally. Because like even now, Emma will tell you, and you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, to to say this. Like I really struggled, and I don't think that I was aware how much I was struggling, especially in that third lockdown. I wasn't in the best place mentally, and thank God for the EC method because I think we can all agree that like our clients you know, definitely myself, it was a really hard time. And having that group, not only the work, but also just the support of everyone there together, really got me through. And now where my mental health is at, doing the E.C. method, we're not in lockdown anymore. We're free to a degree. Having the, this incredible job and being in such a good mental space, i am that's what I'm really proud of. Because again, I think anyone who's ever gone through mental health issues you know when you're in it, you don't think you're ever going to get out of it. I mean, you really don't think you're ever going to get out of it. And and the idea of feeling like that every day, I just used to cry my eyes out every day because I, like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. And I couldn't shift it for for the longest time. If I'd have known then that I'd be doing this now and feeling the way that I feel mentally now, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I, I would have been very proud.
1: Yeah, so anyone listening to this who is maybe... And the point I want to make here is like letting maybe little tedious things throughout the day get a bit annoying or, you know, whatever career you're in, there will always be aspects of it or aspects of your life that you're like, oh, this is really frustrating that I still have to do this. or And you're letting that dampen your mood, like try and take a step back, get a little bit more perspective and be like, how proud would I be 10 years ago that I'm where I am now? Yeah. Because normally you're like, oh my, there's actually so much to be grateful for. And I think gratitude is pushed out like a lot and and can just be a bit wishy-washy for people but like having an actionable step like that rather than just at the end of the day being like name one thing you're grateful for today and it ends up always being the same thing and it never really means anything to you anymore but if you can really take a step back and like the perspective of everything that you have now and everything that you've built and where you've come from that you probably have a hell of a lot to be proud of and a hell of a lot to be grateful for.
0: Yeah, I love that. I Gratitude is is the key. And again, I think that lockdown being lifted really drove that home for me. How lucky I am to have the friends I have. Oh my God. Like I look around when we go on nights out and I'm just like, how lucky are we? We are the best people in here. <laughs> how lucky I am to have the family that I have. Like I, My family took me for my birthday lunch the other day and I just was just laughing hysterically with my mum thinking, how lucky am I that both my parents are still here and that I can sit down with them and eat a lovely lunch and that I haven't cooked, like somebody's cooked for me. Like and 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 we can sit here and we can afford to do this and we're together and we're grown up. Like there's something lovely about having about when you're family, when everyone's an adult and you can all be together. And I, you know it, talking to you Emma as well like get it like just laughing on the EC method like how cool is it that that's our job like gratitude is absolutely going to be that engine that is going to make you happy um in your day-to-day life and I actually was, was talking to a friend of mine this morning and and I said to him, like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of pissed off that I can't train until like half five today because I hate training. I hate training at any time after lunchtime. And then I was like, but you know what? Actually, I'm really happy that there's a window of opportunity where I can train today. And he messaged me back and he was like, I love your positive attitude. I shit you not. I think that's the first time anyone's ever t- said that to me. And that felt amazing. I was like, oh, my God, someone thinks I'm positive. <laughs> love a reframe. I love the reframe, but it is the key. Gratitude is the key, and it is the thing that will just make you, it will it will it will bring you joy of life every day.
1: Yeah, one thing you just mentioned was about how we'll try and make fat loss quite fun and funny, or like just see the humor side of it. And I say that that's probably one thing that's slightly different about the EC (laughs) method. It's not all serious, and it's not all about like half of it's about having a bit of a laugh laughing at ourselves laughing at each other like it's a bit of banter as well and I think that's actually one of the reasons that people get such good results is yeah they feel like they can open up they feel like they can have a laugh like it's an enjoyable process and that's the whole point is you're meant to enjoy it you won't stick to anything that you don't enjoy Like it is that simple
0: absolutely yeah it is i i love that about us i get this a lot on instagram people being like i love that you guys don't take yourself too seriously life is life is varied and and interesting and funny and fun and if you i think emma the one thing that you're really good at you are a really positive person and we talk all the time about you know that comes with effort you know you don't just you're not just born positive stay positive every day till the day you die but you are such a positive person that it's had a really positive impact on me and you specifically have really driven home, you know, the old saying, you are the company you keep. You've had such a positive impact on me. And I think that's a really another a really good life lesson is surround yourself with good people who make you feel good. Like every time in my life, and I think back to when that anxiety all started kicking off, I've always been anxious, but it got kicked up into high gear because I was in a horrible relationship with a horrible, horrible young man who treated me awfully. And that's what really, like that kicked it off. And then it was just a spiral from there. Um, and it carried on long after that relationship ended. And I think that, again, is a nice reminder that if you surround yourself with good people who make you feel good, life gets a lot easier. That's probably a good way
1: to frame choices as well. Yes. Like, I, I actually heard this on the podcast, but it was talking about, like, making a choice of the people that are, you're surrounding yourself with rather than, don't know, other aspects. It's probably a good way to frame choices.
0: I agree with that. You and Emil talk about this a lot um, and, I, and I'm really, I'm here for it. I think one thing that I've learned now is, and I kind of touched on this before when I talked about my mental state, how do you want to feel in a few years time? Like, where do you want your mental headspace to be at? Like, where do you want your joy for life to be at? And then work backwards from there because that is probably going to be a lot more helpful to you than being like i want to drive a ferrari you know which is just so arbitrary and pointless i think everyone should 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 start doing that like my therapist now (laughs) still in therapy (laughs) my therapist now is like he makes me do this all the time thinking about my future self and i talked about this with dr mike There's there's a phenomenon called the empathy gap where we don't we can't relate to our future self we don't think about our future self and therefore working towards being having a better future actually takes a lot of work and critical thinking. And he has me doing this all the time. Like, what do you want, you know, the next few years to look like? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to be heading? Like, what are you doing? And I think it's really important self-worth, work, sorry. And obviously something, again, that we try and get our clients to do all the time.
1: Yeah, I think, so this is quite interesting. This actually comes from Emil as well, but thinking about goals as, one extremely important but two not important at all right and the reason i'm saying that is because the journey is important and who you become on your way to reaching that goal on on your way to achieving hard things is important but whether you actually achieve that goal or not is not important in the slightest like if you have a goal of being like i want to make a million pounds in a year fine but when you achieve that, like realistically when you achieve that nothing is going to change nothing like I mean you'd be like oh that's nice I actually hit that goal that I had but nothing really changes but who you become by achieving that goal that would change and the same is sort of true with fat loss goals you know people are so obsessed with like getting to this end destination and not realizing and unfortunately often not realizing until the destination of certain goals that the journey was like the point of the goal like that that was the point of it and who you became while reaching that goal that's what matters not actually if you reach the goal at all so setting goals is important but it's this is again why the why behind the goal is more important I had a chat with a client this morning and she used a really good analogy and it was about how she went to puppy training classes And at the end of the puppy training classes, there's like a test and your puppy has to pass the test. And then you get a little certificate and you're like, oh, it's puppy trained puppy, (laughs) whatever. The certificate means nothing, really, because the reason you've gone to puppy training classes is because you want an obedient dog. Okay. and her and her puppy was was obedient. You know, she she'd got her why basically she was like, oh, it's well trained now. You know, it's happy around the kids. It does everything I, I want it to do. But it didn't pass the test. Right. So she didn't get the piece of paper. So sometimes you would see that as a failure, but actually you've achieved everything that you wanted to achieve from the the action.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that is that is brilliant. I and I I learned this being married to James when he was you know a professional rugby player. He, you know, he he would he would show up to training. He would do all the extras. He would do uh, you know added physio and added everything in his time off, all because he wanted to win silverware at the end of the season. And this was the goal. And this is the thing. But every time he won it he was like, oh, I don't think, I think I could have played better. And it was like, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to that. So it was less about the fact that, you know, they got a whitewash in Australia and it was more about the fact that he was constantly, and this is a very typical athlete mindset, constantly en route to improving himself, to improving his mental state, to improving his physical state, to becoming a better rugby player. That was, that was it. That was all it ever was. You know, you know, if you know any athletes, they're never satisfied never satisfied with their win, because it's all a constant kind of, I guess, fun for them, hamster wheel of trying to get better and trying to perform better. But yeah, you're completely right. its I love the idea that having the goal is going to make the journey so fruitful, but the end of it is pretty irrelevant.
1: Yeah, like whether you actually achieve it or not, because all goals are arbitrary to an extent.
0: Yeah, completely.
1: And I think like an analogy I like, because that's so cheesy, is like if you think of life as a road trip, and you're always if you're on a road trip, you're always thinking about the destination. Oh, I can't wait! You're essentially saying I can't wait to get to to the end of this. Yeah. And this is exactly why we're so invested in making like exercise fun or enjoyable, and not making your diet a slog, like a horrible experience, and having a bit of a laugh with coaching, because we want you to enjoy the journey and not not be the other thing that we see a lot of people do is kind of like delaying happiness until oh, when I'm in great shape, I'll be happy, or you know, and it can't. This happens in all areas of life. Like people like, say, oh, when I've got a car and a house, I'll be happy, or when I weigh X on the scales, I'll be happy. It actually has nothing to do with that. And when you get there, you kind of realize, oh, it wasn't that, and and that you can be happy now and still pursue your goals. We spoke about this on on the podcast recently about. Scale people attributing their happiness to a scale weight goal, yeah, and being like, "Oh, on my wedding day, I weighed X, and <laughs> and I was so happy." And you're like, "It was your wedding day. I bloody hope that you were happy and it had nothing to do with what you weighed." Yeah. And then after yeah. we spoke about that, I was thinking about it for a while, and I was like, "I actually think there is a link between happiness and potentially what you weigh," but the link is like the reverse of what people think. So people think oh, I was happy because I looked a certain way or I weighed a certain amount or I was a certain leanness. But really, you were that body composition because you were happy. And it's so much easier to look after yourself, to exercise, to fuel yourself, to eat well, to invest in coaching and to see that as important. And Because investing in coaching is investing in yourself. And if you don't like yourself, you're not going to invest in yourself. You're not going to put time, effort, money into yourself. Whereas when you're in a good headspace, you will do that. And then as a byproduct of that, you might weigh a little bit less. And that's the link. The link isn't, oh, I weighed this much so I was happy. The link is when you're happy and when when you care about or when you can sort of practice true self-love, then that's the byproduct.
0: No, you're right. We talk about this again, like, sorry, motivation it just seems to be my word of the day today you know, we talk about this again, I think a lot of time people are like, I really want to get in shape, but I'm just not motivated. And it's like a lot of the time, just exactly what Emma was just saying in a different way of of saying it. Motivation comes after the fact. So you get up, you take care of yourself. Like I say, for most clients, the byproduct of that will be that they look better. They feel better in their own skin. They feel better in their own head about themselves. And then the motivation comes. And then we continue, you know, this whole idea that, you know, you're gonna wake up one morning and be like, "Today's the day I'm gonna become Usain Bolt." <laughs> it's never gonna fucking happen. It's never gonna happen. So I think, yeah, you you have to start by maybe having a bit of a slog. You know, changing your lifestyle, changing habits as an adult is incredibly hard. Changing behaviors once you're past past your early twenties, or even earlier than that, is unbelievably difficult. Once you slog through it and you actually do it and you change your pattern and you change your lifestyle and you change your 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 behaviors and your choices. This is when we get the momentum. This is when the ball starts rolling, and this is when, yeah, your your happiness can can really start to take shape. And I say this as well to clients all the time. This is a dangerous sentence to say because I think people hear it and they're like, "Oh, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous message." But actually, getting some control over your daily food intake and over your daily activity levels and over your body and your choices breeds exactly what Emma was saying. A few kind of topics ago breeds huge self-confidence and self-worth huge um and not letting things not letting food have any kind of emotional control over you and this is something we really work on with clients and yeah that's that's kind of a, a must do really it is funny that now because of so
1: much of the anti-diet pushback even just saying like we should probably be eating in accordance to our energy needs is like oh don't want to say that. Dude. Don't, want to, don't want to force people into anything. Like, but we should be. And it's become yeah. harder and harder because of our food environment to do yeah. that. And I just don't think like, there's a pushback of, you know, listen to your body. Trust your hunger signals. That probably only works if you completely change your food environment. That would probably work if you were eating mostly, if not completely, whole foods you could probably listen to your hunger cues. If you're trying to eat highly palatable Western diet type foods, there's no way. They're literally designed to bypass your hunger, to make you want more and more and more. Yeah. You can't listen to your hunger cues. And we know as well that like it's very hard to distinguish and the the other thing is people don't just eat for hunger do they they eat to numb their emotions they eat because their mood is poor they eat because it's a social occasion they eat because it's so-and-so's birthday or to be polite for so many reasons above just hunger so to think that you can just eat I'm not talking about intuitive eating but eat intuitively as in just listen to your hunger and then not put on weight in our environment is quite short-sighted
0: it's ridiculous it's 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 asking for trouble it's asking to fail there's a huge pushback at the moment of like you shouldn't be on a restrictive diet like you shouldn't restrict yourself Mm, okay but as Emma said, when we have hyper palatable food on every street corner that we can buy for a couple of quid. <laughs> that was so British. That we can buy for a couple of quid. And there's so much indulgence with food now and so much like like readily available food um, that like, like we say, isn't necessarily that great for you. Sorry, but yeah, yeah, we do have to implement some restriction because why why is all of this okay? But Don't it doesn't make any sense. We do need to implement some restriction. And and that goes for every fucking thing in life. Everything. Like working. Like I can't go out and get pissed every night because I've got work every day. Like, you you know, paying your taxes. Do you think I want to give thousands of pounds, my hard-earned cash, to the fucking government? No, but I have to. Brushing your teeth every day. You have to do things sometimes. And I, I don't understand why when it comes to diet and food intake and our physical health, and again, even if it's just like physique goals, why? it's become such a dirty word or dirty term to say a restrictive diet because we should all be in some context on a restrictive diet or we're fucked.
1: Yeah, I think with our just like general environment now as well, like most of us sit on the computer most of the day. So yeah. <laughs> surprisingly, we don't need 3000 calories to fuel ourselves <laughs> sitting on the couch all day. Like that just, unfortunately that just isn't what happens. And I think some people think that it's unfair Energy balance isn't unfair. Like, if anything, like, that's kind of what I like about diet and exercise. Now, there are some genetic predispositions to being hungrier or to moving slightly less, but it's still yeah. fair, as in it still makes sense. As in, if you create an energy deficit, you will lose body fat. And actually, you know, you might say, oh, it's not fair. Like, I have an office job. Okay, but that's, we're still within your control you can still go out and, and do, you know, if you've got an office job, you probably have to account for that by making sure that you are active outside of your work. It's still fair. It's still within your control. And as soon as you take on that locus of control of, okay, here's some barriers I might have. And that's what we do as coaches. Okay, you've got an office job. Great. When can we fit in steps? How can we make this work for you? How can we do things? Okay, if you if you actually really can't get that many steps in, fine. Maybe we need to reduce your calories so that you're still in a deficit. That's how we work. If you come to us with a problem and you're looking for a solution, that's what we're there for. But it takes from a client being A, coachable, B, looking for a solution and then C, like that internal locus of control that I think we should just always assume. Like even just generally in other things in life, like even if something isn't my fault, I'll just assume it's my responsibility to fix it because otherwise you never really get anywhere otherwise it's essentially a victim mentality isn't it of i'll just sit back and let this happen because it's not my fault it doesn't even really matter if it's your fault can you fix it can you do something about it
0: taking taking responsibility and taking ownership over everything in your life is um absolutely a way that you're going to enhance your life and your surroundings and your relationship with yourself and you know it's really interesting all the coaches that i really look up to and respect every single one of them from you know Paul Reveillia to Dr. Bill Campbell, Lane Norton, you, Ben Mudge, like all of them have said to me either on the podcast or just privately, like I quite like to get my clients to fast in the very beginning of me coaching them just for a period of the day, just to show them that they are always in control and they can do like They can go without eating for a period of hours and be absolutely fine. And it's just like kind of like a baptism of fire of saying, you are in control. You can do this. And it's, it, it doesn't have to be this hard. But sometimes I think you need to put people in that mindset to get them to realize that. And I think that it, it does result in a in a mental development of taking ownership, taking responsibility and taking control.
1: I agree. And like we've spoken about this before. I do think that some people have never like had a physiological feeling of hunger and not responded to it and actually when you realize you can do that and nothing bad happens and actually sometimes the hunger just passes yeah. and nothing you know nothing awful happens like that that gives you quite a lot of control you're like oh, okay i'm i'm in control here and i think yeah. that actually now and again fasting is quite useful for that i think often the problem is the then overindulgence after which doesn't always happen and this is this is where it's like okay it's a good tool for some people and it's not for others and for some Mm -hmm. people this over restriction causes overindulgence and that can lead into a bit of a cycle and we get a lot of people that come to us kind of in that cycle and the notion that you can't lose weight on 1200 calories when really what's happening is you're massively over restricting which means inevitably at some point you overindulge and that's you know, people see that as a huge failure and they internalize that and I'm lazy and I don't have willpower and like really beat themselves up about it when that's a normal physiological response to over restriction is overindulgence. So if yeah. you're stuck in that cycle and we try and reiterate this again and again, like you do need to increase your calories. And the first step is is to stop the over restriction after the overindulgence. That's how you get out of that cycle because the overindulgence is caused by the over restriction.
0: How many um, check-ins do we get on the EC method? Every round, every single round we do, people come in and they're like, I was really, really skeptical and hesitant to do what you guys said and to start on 1800 calories because, you know, in the past, I've only ever lost on 1200 calories. But I thought, you know, well, I'm here and I'm paying them. So I'm going to do what they say. And I did think that within the first week, I was going to have to drop it. And now we're four weeks in, I've lost, lost two and a half kg. And it's like, you could have been doing that the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, it is, it, it's, it's, I think if anyone's listening to this, hopefully what they're picking up is like coaching and getting physique results, whether it's for your health or vanity, which perfectly valid if it is. A lot of it is about mental, your mental kind of approach. And and that's really what we end up working on. I think people come in thinking it's all about numbers and it's all about, How many training sessions, how many sets, how many calories? And they realize really by week two or three, like, oh, hang on. The reason why I haven't been able to do this or maintain this is because of what's going on up here.
1: And yeah, and often what's missing is a bit of support, a bit of accountability, a lot of reassurance and also the confidence that we have in our own messaging. Because we've done this with literally like close to tens of thousands of people now. So we know what we're doing and we know that it gets results. And our confidence breeds into your confidence in what you're doing as us. well. Which is yeah. yeah, in us and in the method that we use. And that's so important. And, you know, sometimes it gets thrown around that you're, you know, you're not losing weight on too low calories because you've gone into starvation mode or you've ruined your metabolism. And it's this like fear mongering, which yeah isn't the case and like we could very easily be like look at all of our clients losing weight on 1800 calories from 1200 calories and look we we actually fixed their metabolism it isn't that it's adherence and I think that people need to stop pushing that message of oh we've re-ramped up your metabolism or the notion of that because it, it can be really damaging and actually something that we're both very much on the same page on is really explaining the why behind the method that we're using so that people feel empowered otherwise you're like oh I don't really understand what happened and I had a messed up metabolism and I've damaged myself here and here and and you're kind of scared that you can never lose weight anymore now because you've damaged this this and this or you don't understand the process so you don't feel empowered to do it And once you understand all of that and once you understand energy balance and how you can make that work for yourself, you don't have this fear of certain foods or of dropping your calories low one day and and not falling into metabolic damage or anything like that. And
0: I feel like that's so important as well. So metabolic adaptation is a thing, but it, your your metabolism will adapt up and down, and round and round we go. It's always changing. Um, it's never broken. You've never broken your metabolism, and you know I, I think studies show that it's the worst. You know, in a in a permanent situation, the worst it was is like one hundred what thirty calories or something like that. I yeah, that the like that. the
1: research shows it's from like seventy two to one hundred and thirty six calories that you might yeah. adapt in terms of increased efficiency and really the magnitude of effect there is based on how much total weight you have lost. You've lost, not, yeah, exactly. Not on how low your calories are. No,
0: and that's what people don't realize. It's, it's about, it's a direct reflection of your mass, okay? And 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 how you've transitioned. And it's not something to be scared of. Um, For 99.9% of people, it's not permanent. But I saw a post from someone who had basically taken metabolic adaptation, and starvation mode and created this very ill-informed awful baby did you see it and put it up there and I was like no and this person is so influential and has so many followers and I was like this is the wrong messaging and one thing um that that you said kind of to drive this point home is When you've been doing this, like Emma and I basically have about 20 years of coaching experience between us. And I've made a fair fucking few mistakes. I talk all the time about my first book and how much I regret it and some things I just used to get wrong. And (laughs) I'm just like, oh, my God. But you learn and you get better and you learn and you get better. And I think now, especially because Emma and I are working together and that always helps. I think now we've got to a point where we we are pretty confident in our abilities as coaches and in our knowledge base uh, and in each other. And I think that really gives us the client buy-in, the client trust. And as soon as you get that, as soon as you get that, the client is coachable and they're going to get a result. And, and that's something that I think me and you should, you <laughs> mean, bigging us up, me and you should be really proud of. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is important. It's
1: important. Like if, if I'm looking for confidence in someone, I want someone who can explain things clearly in a way that I understand, but isn't oversimplifying anything. Mm -hmm. that and that gives you huge confidence it's not just stick to this plan it's this is why we're sticking to this plan and and this is why actually you can adapt this plan if you need to and these are the key fundamentals and this is the physiology behind it so that you understand what's happening and I think that's really important there's so many myths around metabolism like that you can have a slow metabolism or that overweight people have a slow metabolism when actually the exact opposite is true as Chloe just said like it's Your basal metabolic rate, so your needs just to stay alive, are really dictated by how much you weigh, how much mass you have to maintain. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people who weigh more have a higher metabolism, have a higher resting metabolism. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode and you think, hmm, do you know who I would love to be coached by? (laughs) Well, (laughs) go over to. Theecmethod.co.uk, and you can sign up and actually we have a new intake starting on the 16th of august
0: oh what good time i didn't even think uh, of the timing shot. of this that was very good that was very good uh yeah we if you we would love to have you if you would like to have us thank you thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast please make sure that you like subscribe and to follow wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. If you're new to the podcast, please don't forget to catch up on series one, two, and three to learn even more about all the topics my guests and I cover, from nutrition to fitness, physique results, and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.